0: the Portland Christian Center podcast. This week, we will hear from Pastor Bill Wilson on Stronger In Listening. Now here is Pastor Bill. Today, Glad you all came for the special announcement, but you get to hear me preach first, so hang in there, hang in there. Hey, thanks everybody for our prayer this last week. It was a busy week for Joy and I and our network. Uh, we had our annual conference in Salem, We had the largest attendance we've had in 10 years, and um, I'm not sure why, except um, I was there, and a lot of other people were there, and it was a great, great, yeah, I guess I snuck that one in there, but you didn't get it, so okay. (laughs) It was a great, it was a great uh, event. We we ordained seven, 17, I should say, 17 new ordination candidates and over 30 uh, credential recognitions and eight. Uh, recognitions for people over 50 years of ministry, including uh, Bill and Sharon Johnston, who are here today. 50 years! Wow. I, I told them 50 years is getting a lot of younger. I'll tell you that the the ones who came forward, it was just incredible. And I just want to say about the ordination, um, it was significant because. Uh, A young lady was ordained who grew up in this church and uh, she uh, went through this church and you left such a great impression that she pursued ministry, ordained last Monday night, Kimberly Joy Wilson, that was a highlight. And I also want to tell you that uh, Hope Kenyon, who went to this church and is part of uh, what we call Chi Alpha, which is our college ministry, she's been a part of this church too. and She was ordained and in a few weeks on a Sunday morning... Heather Lewandowski, we're going to officially ordain her right here on this platform, and you won't want to miss that in a few weeks. So, of, of the 17 that were ordained this year, uh, three of them are from Portland Christian Center. And I just want to say, that's the way it should be, right? That's the way it should be. And you notice they're all women, too. And one thing that we did this year is we voted that there will be a woman on the uh, Presbytery, which is our board for the network. Finally, it took a while to get us there, but I'm (laughs) pleased with that. So thank you so much for your prayers and uh, your investment. And we're in the book of James this morning. If you have your Bibles, you want to open them up. If you have uh, electronics, open them up to James chapter 1. What I'm going to say today, I I, I wanted to say this the right way, so I have to think how I'm going to say it. I'm going to preach to myself today. So you get to listen to me, preach to myself. Everybody say, that's good. (laughs) You need a good sermon once in a while. And I also want to say that I've, I've spoken three times in the last seven days. And for a couple of those times, uh, I've been preaching to preachers, pastors. So which is more challenging Portland Christian center or a room full of pastors. You decide. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that because this is being broadcast around the state and I don't want anybody to take any uh, wrong impression of what I'm saying. Would you like to be stronger as a Christian, as a Christ follower? Would you like to have more strength to follow through in your faith and uh, your commitment to the Lord? That's what James is really all about. And we're asking God to make us stronger. We're asking God to help us to uh, live out our faith in a stronger way and not to be easily swayed. If you're you're fully alert, you know that in the culture we live in, it is so anti-Christian in America that it is important for us to be alert to the fact that our faith is gonna be challenged. It will be challenged this afternoon, tomorrow, through the week. There'll be something that comes your way and you're gonna need the strength of the Lord to help you. You're going to want to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. You want the strength. And I I want to talk about something to myself, and you can listen. Today I want to talk about stronger in listening. Everybody say listening. This is going to be good for you, Bill. You listen very carefully to what the pastor says. Verse number 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Isn't that a good message for Bill Wilson today? Come on, help me out here. Yeah, you're right. I'm sure glad you're preaching to yourself today. You know, in the uh, sports world, we know how important it is with fundamentals. And um, I've been watching some of the professional uh, basketball players play, and I, I tell Joy, you know what's amazing? Everyone, even those that sit on the bench and don't go into the game generally, are good in fundamentals. They have learned from their childhood the importance of fundamentals. Now, we admire their skills to do amazing things and uh, shoot from half court and make it and all those kinds of things and battle under the basket. But there are some basic fundamentals that are so important in order for them to perform. And it's true in life itself, there's some basic fundamentals. One of the greatest coaches of all time was Coach John Wooden of the UCLA Bruins. I remember as a young kid knowing about him and uh, saw him on television. He didn't necessarily look like a fierce player. In fact, next to his players, he looked like a midget, really. But he was an amazing, amazing coach. I wanna tell you what he did in his very first practice. You know, I went out for basketball when I was a kid and I couldn't wait to get to practice and discovered that the first practice, we didn't even practice with the basketball. It was things like, uh, pretending you had the ball and how you would throw it. But John Wooden would bring all of these guys who'd been playing basketball since they were kids and get them in a big circle. On the first day, and he'd tell them all to take their shoes and socks off. And then he would tell them how to put on their socks properly. Isn't that crazy? Here's all these guys who've been playing basketball and they had to put on their socks. I tried to find a clean pair, so here here they are. And he would teach them to put on their socks properly and their shoes properly because he knew if they didn't do that properly, they didn't do that properly, they would get blisters on their feet and they'd have foot injuries. And that was a fundamental. He said, even if we lose, I want you to perform to the best of your ability by starting by putting your socks on properly. Isn't that amazing? A fundamental. That is so necessary and oftentimes we skip the fundamentals and we uh, put those on let me see let me see we recognize that James is talking about fundamental things here almost in some ways elementary in some ways oh I get that this isn't the book of Revelation this isn't the book of Daniel this isn't the book of numbers or Leviticus this is James it's very basic in our faith but if we don't get this part we can really miss what God wants to do. In other words, James is saying, don't just talk the talk, but I want you to walk the talk. You know the difference? You get that? Does it make sense to you? Don't just make a confession, but continue to live your life like you've always lived it. Make it a part of your life. If anything, people have, uh, sometimes when you talk about church, sometimes I get in conversations and I'll say, Why why don't you go to church? And they're reluctant to tell me when they know what I do, but then they'll say, well, you know, I went there and people didn't treat me right. Or uh, I saw people who cheated me in business or whatever it might be. have lots of excuses. Uh, What they were saying is some basic fundamentals weren't happening in the lives of those who profess to be Christians. And all of us here have seen that happen. And I'm talking to myself this morning. Make sure, Bill, that you don't just Talk the talk, appear on Sunday in the bright lights, but walk the walk. So listen what he says. Dear brothers and sisters, the version I'm reading from, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I can hear some of you saying, I'm sure glad he's talking about this. Don't look at them right now, but you know, the person next to you needs this, I'm sure. I can hear moms and dads saying, I hope my kids are catching what Pastor Bill says today. Some of the wives are elbowing their husbands. Husbands are glancing at their wives. Some of you wish your bosses were here. Some of you wish your employees were here to hear what I've just read. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, I hope you don't get your theology from YouTube. There's a lot of stuff out there that is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, But on YouTube, there is a little three-year-old boy recently. A friend of mine sent me this. Uh, It's a little boy, three years old. He's looking at his mom, and this is what he's saying. Linda, Linda, listen to me, Linda. And the mom responds, no, you listen to me. I'm the mom. But Linda, but Linda, listen to me, honey. Now, I want to just tell you right up front, If I would have said, Laura, my mom's name, Laura, Laura, listen to me, Laura. She would have said, I brought you into the world and I can take you out very quickly. (laughs) I, I couldn't have never said that. Here James says, listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now prior to this in James, he he sets the stage for all of us to understand the importance of the new birth. If you back up, he talks about the goodness of God, the consistency of God. And then he says in verse 18, he says, he chose to give us birth, speaking of the new birth here, through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruit of all his created, all that he created. In other words, we are the outcome of his creation. We're the prize of his creation. And he talks about the fact that he gave us new birth. So God is good. He doesn't tempt us with evil, right? That's what it says earlier. And he's good all the time. And every good thing that's ever happened in your life has come from God. That's what it says in James chapter 1 earlier. Then he leads us into this new birth. And he talks about new birth. Jesus, remember, had an encounter with a man by the name of Nicodemus, John chapter 3. And Nicodemus comes to him by night because he's a legal guy that's part of the, uh, uh, really the religious leadership in Jerusalem. And he says, you know, what, what do I have to do to make sure I get to heaven? And, uh, and Jesus said, you must be born again. He's talking about new birth. And he goes on to quote, of course, that great scripture that many people know for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, John three sixteen. It's all part of this connection. Here James is bringing this up again and talking to us about the new birth. He chose to give us birth, he says. And James is telling us that the new birth will bring new behavior. There will be new behavior. When a person says they're born again, but their behavior hasn't changed... Frankly, I have to question whether they truly are born again or did they just go to church and have a religious moment? Uh, are you born again? Because when you are born again, listen, the importance of the new birth is when you're born again, it changes who you are and your behavior changes. Your behavior changes. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul says this very same thing. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old, hallelujah, the old is gone. Can you say amen to that? I am glad I'm not the person I used to be, and I'm glad that you don't know the person I used to be. He says the old has gone and the new has come. What's he talking about? He's talking about a new creation. And what happens is your personality can be transformed. Your practices will be adjusted and the patterns of your life will change as you are born again in Christ. Not just being religious, not just coming and sitting and listening to a sermon and then going out, but having a transformation through the new birth. This is important because he lays that foundation before he says what he's about to say. So when I was in high school, I played football and I, I played on the offensive and defensive line. Uh, no spectacular uh, ESPN Sports Center highlights. No great stories of receptions and touchdowns and all that kind of stuff. I just loved the sport. And I played against a guy by the name of Steve. Uh, Steve was big. He was tough. He was fearless. He was disciplined in every way except his language. Now, as a pastor's kid on a football field, you hear things that you've never heard at home and I heard quite a fit bit from Steve. He, uh, he, he cursed all the time, he t- trash talked, you know what I mean by this, you, are you with me? He, he was used profanity, words he made up, I think, because I can't find them in the dictionary, uh, <laughs> especially when something didn't go right on the field, we missed a block, somebody got tackled, the quarterback got sacked, uh, we, we missed a play, we lost the game. But one day, something happened to Steve, that I will never, never forget as long as I live. And I don't want you to ever forget what it says here. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. So what happens in the text now? He talks about new birth. Now he moves from the new birth to the new behavior when he makes this statement in verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Now, I had a professor in college who got up the first day in class, and he said, when I'm giving a lecture, if I ever say, take note of this, guess what? Guess what? It's going to be on the test, right? So when it says, take note, guess what? This is going to be tested in your life. Before this day is over, Bill Wilson, you will be tested if, if you can pass the test. And what is the test? It's right here. In fact, research tells us, research tells us, just think, how much would be eliminated of conflict in our lives if we had practiced this one line, these lines in our, in our lives? Uh, research tells us that there would be less marriage breakups. There would be more peaceful workplaces. There would be a security for our children. There, uh, there would be a number of things, more peace in our own lives if we practice these lines. So he says, take note, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's what he says right here. And in fact, researcher William Minnes said, most people, 80% of people who lose their jobs isn't because they're not competent. They lose their jobs because they're relationally incompetent. They don't get along with people. It's not that they can't do the job, but they don't get along with people, 80%. And what was emphasized here is if people would practice this verse alone in the workplace, what difference it would make in their performance and their relational skills. Some of us by nature are friends with everybody. Some of us are more uh, uh, maybe reserved and we only allow two or three people into our lives. But listen to what it says again. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. One other doctor, uh, Dr. James Lynch says that loneliness is a big thing. And especially in the last couple of years, isolation is a big thing. And he said, part of the problem is that people don't connect with others in a proper way and they live shorter lifespans. So everyone, speaking about everyone, should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Uh, Does this make sense? You get this? Turn to the person next to you and say, are you listening? <laughs> so James says there's three things, right? There's three things. He says that there, uh, there is one quick and two slows, right? I'm going to practice here. I'm going to just say it out loud, and you help me make sure I'm on track. Be quick to, yes. slow to, yes. slow to. Yes. Slow to Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. One quick and two slows. I've spent most of my time with the other two the other way. Have you followed, are you with me? I'm speaking to myself, not to you. I'm just talking to myself here. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Now, let me just put it in a different way. Maybe this will be more memorable for you. Let me put it in these terms. Number one, tune in. Listen more. Be quick to listen. Now, if you've ever wondered if the Bible's easy to understand, I'm reading one of the easiest verses to understand. So, I told you about a couple of weeks ago about the song that I didn't know when the pastor called on me. I'm going to confess that I've had other faults in my life as well. I hope this doesn't diminish your respect for me. So join our youth pastors. We've been asked to come to a church. I don't know the people very well. The youth group is, has, has declined substantially. And I'm trying to build a little enthusiasm and momentum in the youth group. Kids weren't coming. Their parents are upset. And I joined our asked to take this youth group. It's a pretty good sized church. So you'd think there's lots of kids. But they just weren't coming, so we finally got a little momentum, and I decided that in one of the youth group uh, meetings uh, that uh, I, w- I would break the ice and do something totally different, and it's called the yarn experience. So I took about fifty kids who had showed up on this Wednesday night. Now, when we got there, there were about fifteen, so fifty was like good, but it was not great. Okay, so I got them in a. We had a big room, and I got them in a big circle. So the kids are kind of like, like, what's this all about? So I kind of set the stage, I took a ball of yarn, you know what a ball of yarn looks like, I took one end of it and I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to share one of three things and I'm going to toss this ball of yarn to you, one of you, and you have to share one of three things. Your favorite verses of Bible, in the Bible, and or your favorite story in the Bible, and if if everybody's ignorant about verses and stories, then tell me one thing you think God's done for you. So just three simple things. It's an illustrated sermon about how important it is for us to connect with each other, with our lives. That was the intent, to build momentum and unity in the youth group. So I started off and then I tossed it to one young person and they shared and then they tossed it to somebody else. This went on for about 20 minutes and we were weaving this beautiful, I don't even know what you call it, but it was beautiful to me, of string across uh, the room. And as a, a, really, it's a visual illustration of the value of connecting with people in a proper way. And then I said, okay, uh, let's stop here for a minute. I want, if your last name begins, and I listed about seven or eight uh, letters in the alphabet, if your last name begins with this letter, like B and and G and and M and so on. I want you to drop your string. And all of a sudden, it, this what appeared to be a, a beautiful woven pattern now looks terrible because there's all these drop strings and the thing just kind of uh, sags and it doesn't look that hot. And I said, this is what happens when youth groups get angry with each other and n- members and gossip goes on and people make up stuff about so-and-so or they heard this about... And I said, this is what happens, and this is not what God wants for our youth group. He wants us to be, can you, do you get this? And all, yeah, yeah, I get it. So I went through a little more application, and pretty soon other people dropped, and then pretty soon we all dropped our strings, and it looked terrible. And we thought, what a mess. Who's, the, the custodian's going to hate us. We've got stuff everywhere here. Yeah. So what started out to be very beautiful was wonderful. Then it became terrible. So I talked about how we treat each other and et cetera. Then I I said, what I'd like to do at the conclusion tonight is I want you to pick somebody in the group and I want you to go across and meet them. And I want you to sit down and I want you to pray for each other. And if you don't know them real well, find out a little bit about them, and then let's pray for each other. Well, the whole time we're doing this, I'm watching, I'm a real smart youth pastor, I'm watching that. There's one kid at the other end of this circle that I have created in the room, that hasn't participated in anything. In fact, he's just kind of like staring like he doesn't engage with what's going on. I have never seen him before, but we're fairly new too, so maybe he's a kid that came back, I don't know. But I'm watching him, and I decided in my spirit, right from the get-go, I'm going for him. Are you with me so far? And so, I said, okay, let's go, and I went right to him. Sit down to him, next to him, and I put out my hand. He's probably in junior high, so he's a little nervous, I'm sure. I said, Hi, I'm Pastor Bill. And he mumbled. Have you ever heard a junior high boy mumble? (laughs) Okay. I want that to be a disclaimer with what I'm going to say next. All right. He mumbled. I'm Jeff. I thought, because I'm such a great discerner of speech. He said, I'm deaf. And that split second, I thought, oh, that makes sense to me now. <laughs> this is why he hasn't participated in the event today, because he can't hear a thing. <laughs> um, another backstory to this is the previous summer, we had an intern work with us, and he actually lived in our house a college intern from Central Bible College who was studying to minister to hearing-impaired people. And in that summer, he educated me on how to communicate well (laughs) to people who are hearing impaired. Can you hear me? So, I, um, I went into the Bill Wilson, I understand your situation mode. I said, oh, you are in the wrong place. Because we had a massive uh, uh, church for the hearing impaired just down the hall, like 100 people. And there was a teacher there and a pastor. And I said, come with me. Now, this kid had never been in the youth group before. He did not say one word to me. He got up. And we walked down the hall. Now, this is my, my, don't lose the point of this message, will you? This is a lesson that Bill Wilson had to learn and is continuing to learn. I walked down the hall and I over-exaggerated everything. My name is Pastor Bill. I'm saying it louder. I said, you were in the wrong place, but come with me. And because my friend had told me that he'll be able to understand everything you say, he's going to read your lips, he's going to know exactly. And this young kid just looked at me, didn't say one word, he didn't respond. He just, I took him in, I opened up the door, and there's the teacher of this deaf class giving sign language. I said, come with me. I, I looked around, there was no seats except the front row, so I took him up, I set him down. I said, you will enjoy this class. He looked up and I walked out and this is what I said to myself, Bill Wilson, you are an amazing youth pastor. A kid comes, he can't hear a thing you said and you've helped him out tonight and took him to youth group. I got in the car, told Joy all about it. I, she was impressed. She said, you're amazing. The next morning, I got a phone call. I was in my office, and the secretary said, there's a a Thelma Buzma who's on the phone. I said, well, do you know her? She said, no, I've never heard of her, but she would like to talk to the youth pastor. I said, sure, sure. I said, good morning, this is Bill Wilson. She said, this is Thelma Buzma. I said, well, hi, Thelma. She said, you're the youth pastor, right? I said, yes. She said, well, last night I took my two children to church for the very first time and I was just praying that they would have a great experience my son said that he went to the youth group and the youth pastor I said well how did you said, he said I love the youth uh, group thing but the, the youth pastor is weird <laughs> I said well, what, what happened she said well you took him down the hall to the deaf class I said yes I did She says, his name's Jeff, and he is not deaf. I said, oh, you're kidding. Now I moved from being up here a superstar youth pastor now to the worst youth pastor in America, just like that, and I learned a lesson, probably several, I learned I learned, I said to her, I said, but uh, I am really sorry. I said, I thought he said he was deaf. We have this great deaf ministry. And she said, and his sister who's older said, you shouldn't be mumbling all the time. You should speak up when you, somebody asks you a question. Okay. So fast forward, they didn't leave the church. In fact, they became great supporters. Jeff and I became great friends. And a few years ago, joy and I met, uh, Jeff and his sister for dinner in Santa Cruz, California. We just happened to be in the same area, found out we met for, and I said, Jeff, tell me the story from your perspective. (laughs) So he described it exactly how it went, but he said, I thought, what's wrong with this guy? (laughs) I'm not deaf. I said, well, you never said anything. You just stared at me. And he said, well, I was trying to figure out what is wrong with this youth pastor? (laughs) He said, I said, well, how long did you sit in the deaf class? He said, as soon as you left, I got up and walked out. <laughs> My mom said, well, how did you like youth groups? She said, well, I don't know. I was in the deaf class. <laughs> and be quick to listen. Tune in and listen more. Oh, we're back in the Bible now. Are you ready? Jesus said, if anyone has ear, is it okay to share those stories? Yeah. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear. Oh, by the way, Jeff became a deacon in the church, so everything was good. I, um, he'll never forget that experience. We need to be quick to listen to God, first of all, because he does speak. Psalm so am 81 The Bible says that God speaking to the children, if my people would but listen to me, I'd deliver you from all this stuff, he says. If you would listen, I wonder if we would listen to God, how much he would pull us out of stuff that we don't we get ourselves into. I remember how many hallway experiences like I just described would be avoided if we would learn to listen to God. And then we need to learn to listen to each other. We need to uh, practice looking at a person when they speak to you. Jesus, the Bible says, looked at him when he spoke. We need to ask questions, just as Jesus learned to ask questions. We need to refrain from stating our opinion before we even hear the question. And we should never betray a confidence. We should never betray a confidence. You know, in this role, it's kind of interesting because I'm called upon, like I will be in just a few days, to go sit in meetings at the university and Northwest University in Kirkland. And for three days, I will chair some meetings and listen to a lot of stuff. And there are some things that I can cascade down, pass on, and other things I just have to hold steady on. And sometimes there are Weighty issues about the future of a university, or uh, I'm in a few uh, a week from Monday. I will be called to sit with a board that's uh, some of the board and the pastors are not. They're not seeing the same thing, and so I've been praying, Lord, how can I get to the real issue? And I just want to say that unfortunately, sometimes even in bodies of uh, members like this, we can assume things that have been said are true when they are not even true. They've been misconstrued. We've got to be careful. Sometimes I, joy will say something to me and I'll say something to her. She means something totally different, but I'll say, Oh, your tone. I can tell, you know, she's, it's usually the other way around. But the, the point is, is that sometimes we walk ourselves into conflict when it's not necessary and it can happen here. And over the history of this church, nearly 100 years, I can assure you there have been moments when I'm aware of where things have been said that aren't even actually accurate because we didn't listen carefully. So he says, tune in, listen more. Tune in and listen more. The second word I'll just give you quickly because i got to move on. Um, Tone down, tone down and speak less. Tone down and speak less. G.K. Kesterson said, there's a lot of difference between hearing and listening. (laughs) Are you listening is different than are you hearing. Sometimes I hear things, but did I actually listen to it? Uh, My parents moved to Seattle when Joy and I were engaged to get married and uh, lived in the same house for 35 years. And when they decided to move from Seattle to Portland and they came to church here for many years until my mom passed away, about eight years ago. My dad now lives in Southern California, just turned 94 years old. He's, he's brilliant in his mind, and uh, we con- I'll converse with him later today, and he'll talk to me all about the stuff that went on in his life, and I'll share with him. But when they, when they decided to move out of the house that they lived in for 35 years, they packed up four boxes, one for each child, and sent us all the stuff they had collected in our childhood. So I get this box, UPS, open it up. There's all this, you know, trophies, there's stuff that I didn't even remember I owned, you know, yearbooks, pictures, my baby book, all that stuff that they said, "Hey, we're moving out of our house. We're get, we're not throwing it away. We're sending it to you so you can throw it away." And so I opened it up and there was an, another small box and in the box was my report cards from elementary school. And so I opened it up, and first year was pretty good. Second year was not so good. The third year was bad. Fourth year got worse. And then I noticed on the back, on the back of the old report cards, students, today, you don't get this. They had the deportment uh, piece where they had, like, several questions. And then there was a, a couple of lines where the teacher would personally, those of you who were teachers, you remember this, you would write little notes about whoever to the parent if you felt like. And For five straight years, this is what it said, Billy is a very nice boy, but he needs to learn to speak less and listen more. (laughs) Five years in a row. You think I have a problem? You think I have a problem? Joy, I'm looking at you. You think I have a problem? You gotta tune in. And you got to tone down. In other words, you got to speak less. Slow to speak, it says. James addresses more of this in chapter three, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But let me just say, how many of of us have said something we shouldn't have said? Mass confession, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right? If, you look, if you're talking and you look at somebody and their eyes glazed over, hey, they checked out a long time ago. I'm not quite there with all of you, but some of you. If you find yourself restraining somebody while you're talking to them, that, that's because they don't care what you're saying. Let them go. Sometimes we, in our exuberance of words, sometimes we can be offensive. We don't intend to be that way. But we need to be slow to speak. Proverbs 12.15 says, listen, I'm going to paraphrase in Bill Wilson. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, people think he's wise. Right? They consider him wise. When, when he closes his lips, he is deemed as intelligent. I, I'm in meetings sometimes, and I'll wonder, I wonder what he's thinking. And he'll finally speak. And when he speaks, everybody listens. And sometimes it's not new, but it's because he's learned to control Do you have a problem with speaking too much, too many words? Do I speak rashly, hastily, foolishly? Trust God. Be slow to speak. Don't talk too quickly, rashly or harshly. And finally, he says, and I'll put it in my words, sweeten up. So tune in, tone down and sweeten up because he says, slow to become angry. If you can keep one and two, you will not have a problem with number three. If we are quick to listen and slow to speak, you will automatically be slow to anger. If if you have an anger problem, and some of you do, I'll tell you right now, you have a word problem. You have a word problem. On the other hand, if you fail to listen well, you'll end up misunderstanding people, and you'll speak without thinking, or you'll get angry often about things that... Are necessary. Anger is a human issue. And it's produced when we are not righteous people. In other words, when we have disconnected with our following the Lord. Let's wrap this up. I have another story, but I'm gonna skip it. Uh, I would just like to leave you with James chapter 1, verse 26. If you move through the chapter, don't miss next week, by the way. We have four outstanding moms that are gonna join me on the platform. And we're going to talk about the family on Mother's Day next week. Don't miss it. Those who consider themselves religious. Now, that's an interesting word. It actually is defined serving God. Those who consider themselves serving God and you yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their serving God is worthless. Oh, ah, all this stuff I do. And if I am not controlling what I say, I have missed it all. Yeah, that's what it says right there. Oh, man. I need to be stronger in listening. I need to tune in, tone down, and sweeten up. So, Steve, that football player? Man, his mouth was terrible. One day I said, hey, Steve, want to go to youth group with me? He said, yeah, I'll go with you. So he came. And you know what, he came back. I think he liked some girls in our church, so he started coming for the girls. How many of you started going to church because of the girls? Yeah, I see your hands. Yeah. How, are, how many of you are still coming to church for the girls? All right. So Steve started coming. And one day to my shock, my shock, big Steve. He came forward and gave his heart to Jesus Christ at a, at a service and asked Jesus to come into his life. He came from a, you know, pleasant family, but it was a little dysfunctional and, and uh, they weren't Christians. They didn't come to church. I think they had a family Bible, but they didn't come. And I felt prompted to tell, hey, Steve, if you're going to my church, man, you can't be talking like that on the football field. When, you, when we miss a play, you can't be using profanity. You can't trash talk on the field. And for once in my life, early on, I heard the Holy Spirit say, don't say a thing. Well, why not? Everybody knows Steve's going to my church. I don't want him to think that that's the way we talk at our church. God said, don't say a thing to Steve. And I saw a miracle take place. I saw a young man who was quick with the words and slow to listen transformed in my eyes. I remember we got hit pretty hard on a play and I noticed Steve didn't use profanity who told him, I didn't tell him what I found out is Steve started praying and reading the Bible for an hour every night before he went to sleep. He read the Bible more than I did and the Holy spirit started changing the way he talked because out of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible says. And when we allow God to do something in our hearts, James is saying, then he will strengthen us to say things that are appropriate at the right time. Have you messed up? Yeah, you have. I know, Bill, you have. Have you said things you shouldn't have said to your kids? Yes, I have. Have you said things to leaders that you shouldn't have said? Yes. There have been times and I've said in board meetings, I say, Wilson, why did you even say that? That was a stupid thing to say. But as I let God's Holy Spirit work in my life, just like Steve did, I noticed that he begins to give us strength to live out our faith. I saw Steve at my 40th high school reunion. And I said, Steve, I want you to know wherever I go, I think about what God did in your life because it gives me hope that he can change me and he can change anybody. When you surrender your life to God, remember the new birth changes the behavior And it's just in this one section, he says, be quick, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Does that make sense to you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. You can transform us. You can, Lord, you can change our personalities and our practices and our patterns. You can tune tune us in and tone us down and sweeten us up. We thank you for your word that's so very, very clear. With your heads bowed, you're here, you're watching online this morning. God, by his Holy Spirit, has spoken to you. This is an area of your life that's not been easy to control and yet God's gonna help you. If you just surrender your life, how many of you here would say, I need to give my life fully to the Lord? Just lift your hand, if you will, all over the auditorium, that's it. Thank you, thank you, yes. And now would you all pray this prayer to encourage those who've lifted their hands. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. You pray it out loud with everybody. Let it come from your heart. And if you're watching online, you can pray right where you are, on the car, in, driving down the road, in your bedroom, wherever you are. Just pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me the person you want me to be. Change the way I talk. Change the way I think. Change my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us for our live streams at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.